welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, October the 14th, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are talking about how righteous anger should spur us to defend the fatherless. And we know that when we see the events of this world, maybe some of even the things that have happened this year, that those things can oftentimes draw us into anger. They can, they can cause us just to, to be angry and to, to want to fight back. But today I want to talk about how our anger can be good if it's used for righteousness and if it's used to spur us on to good works and to the gospel. But before we talk about that, I want to remind you about Lifeline's Parent Coaching. Parent Coaching is a service available for any parent who needs additional insight into their child's behavior. Tailored to each family and each child, these 45-minute to 60-minute sessions are filled with proven tools and techniques to use in building additional strengths in parenting. And so we want to encourage you and your family and your parenting by providing this parenting coaches. And so if you will visit lifelinechild.org backslash parent coaching for more information, you can be connected to a Lifeline staff member who will help you get in touch with our parent coaching team. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash parent coaching. Well, when I come to think of this term of, of righteous anger, it actually uh, came from a, a blog that I read by uh, popular author Paul David Tripp. And he puts out a blog each week called Wednesday's Word. And the, the title of this blog just struck me when it said, encourage your anger. And, you know, a lot of times when we think about anger, we probably don't think about something that's good or something that needs to be encouraged. If anything, we think about something that needs to be discouraged or something that we need to flee from anger, flee from malice, free from contempt. But I thought that that this word from Paul David Tripp was such a, a strong word to remind us that it is it is. There's a possibility to be angry, yet not to sin. There's a possibility to allow the the sin sickness of this world and the effects of sin to cause you anger, which actually spurs you on to righteousness. So before we talk about how anger can actually spur us on to defend the fatherless, I thought I would take a moment and actually read this blog post from Paul David Tripp. So this is what Paul David Tripp says. Encourage your anger. When was the last time you experienced anger? You probably won't need to rewind the clock very far back to recall your most recent moment. Was your anger ugly? Did you say or do something that you now regret? Do you wish that you could rewind the clock and erase words and actions from the ears and eyes of your spouse, children, friends, neighbors, or coworkers? Today, I want to do something that may sound counterintuitive. I want to encourage your anger. That is, only if your anger is going to be about something bigger than you. Anger, just like all things in life, has to begin with God. First, we need to reevaluate how we think about the Lord and his anger. Mostly, we assume that anger is the dark side of God's character that we need to keep hidden from the world. 
Our heavenly father doesn't have a dark side. John says God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. It's impossible for there to be any evil in God, which means God is both righteous and angry at the very same time. Anger is one of God's most beautiful characteristics. In fact, his anger is a bright hope for the world because he is righteously angry. We can rest assured that everything sin has broken will be restored. That means we should be angry too. In a world in which nothing operates as it was intended and where evil often has more immediate influence than good, it would be wrong for us not to be angry. You simply cannot look at the world with the eyes of truth and with a heart committed to what God says is right and good and not be angry at the state of things. In a fallen world, anger can be good, constructive, and essential. Let's be very clear here, though. The Lord's anger is big kingdom anger, always working to right what is wrong with patience, justice, mercy, and grace. You and I, on the other hand, will wrestle between big kingdom anger and little kingdom anger. Because sin turns us in on ourselves, we will be angry, demanding, and critical for all the wrong reasons. So between the already and the not yet, our anger will be a war. This will be a war between God's will and our will, between God's plan and our plan, between God's desire and our desire, between God's sovereignty and our quest for self-rule. It is a war fault in every situation, location, and relationship of our life. You should be angry. The things that make God angry should make you angry and therefore spur you into righteous action. But be wary. Your heart will be prone towards anger for the wrong reasons. Will your anger propel you to be a healer, a restorer, a rescuer, and a reconciler? Or will your anger leave a legacy of fear, hurt, disappointment, and division? God offers you the grace to be righteous and angry at the very same time. And then Paul David Tripp says, God bless, beloved. As I read that, I wonder, when we think about defending the fatherless, are we angry at the conditions that made these children fatherless? Are we angry with the injustice that is done to women? Are we angry with the delusion of abortion? Are we angry with the, with the trampling of marriage? Are we angry with alcoholism and abuse and neglect? Many times I feel that we draw into being angry with those who are victims, being angry with the, the birth family, being angry with uh, biological families, being angry with a system, as opposed to being angry with the sin and the delusion that has come upon people that leave children vulnerable, that leave children neglected, that leave children in a place where they need to be fostered, where they need to be adopted, where they need to be cared for. You see, God in his equation never intended for children to be without family, never intended for children to be left alone. But we, when we are angry, 
that God's way, that God's intention is not followed. When we are angry because we see the effects of sin greatly trampling upon families, greatly trampling upon children, this should spur us on to this righteous anger. I love what Moses says in Exodus 32. He, he's just come on from the, the, from worshiping God and he sees the people worshiping a golden calf. He's, he's just received the Ten Commandments and he says, before the Lord, now therefore, let me be alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. So Moses is angry. He, he leaves the people. He, he breaks the Ten Commandments. He's angry at the people. But is his anger righteous anger? No, the Lord is showing you righteous anger. I, I, I'm angry and my, I'm hot and I want to consume them because they have trampled my ways. Because what I have intended to, to be a great nation has now become a laughing stock. They're laughing on my glory. They're breaking my glory. And then on in that same thing, it says that the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed. This is Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Yes, God is slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness and he's forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he's not clearing the guilty. He's not He's, he's not avoiding sin. He's not avoiding making things right again. So, yes, God is merciful. And, yes, he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. But God, our God, is also a God that is going to rectify his name, that is going to care for his people, that is going to make sure that, that he cares for those who are downtrodden, those who are, are, are the most at risk in his kingdom. And so in the same way, we need to, we need to echo the, the love of God in the way that we show our anger against injustice. The truth of the matter, beloved, is we cannot look upon uh, the lack of righteousness. We cannot look upon injustice. And not weep and not be angry and not want it to change. We cannot look at a world with 153 million orphans and just become absolutely uh, desensitized by the injustice that's done that would bring these children to be orphaned. We cannot look at a system in our country where justice is not equal. For men and women who are born as well as for, for babies who are unborn and not be spurred to action. The truth of the matter is passivity does not spur us to action, but righteous anger spurs us to action. It spurs us to do something with righteousness. It spurs us to, to defend the fatherless. It spurs us on to do something. 
If we just look at children as vulnerable, if we look at them passively, if we say passively, I'm going to bring them into my home and, and we're just thinking it's calm and easy and, and it's going to be okay. The truth of the matter is we're not ready for the battle by which we are going to face when we step in to defend the fatherless. It's a battle. It's not a battle with flesh and blood. It is a spiritual battle. I've often said that orphan care and adoption and foster care are spiritual warfare. You have children that have been neglected. You have children that have been abused. You have children that have been abandoned. You have children that have no support system and many times no mechanism to hear the gospel of Christ Jesus. In the United States of America, we know that over 80% of those kids that are currently in foster care will have some level of involvement with child protective services when they are adults, either because they have a child that is taken away from them or because they have an abuse of a child or because they will have a need that, that child protective services will have to intervene in. As a matter of fact, 80% of the kids in foster care right now have parents that were in foster care. Our criminal justice system, 75% of those in, that were in foster care will end up at some time trapped in our criminal justice system. Beloved, passivity will not change this course, but righteous anger to say, oh God, this is not the way that you intended it to be. This is not the way that you wanted it to be. And when we do that, we've got to know that we have an adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for whomever he can devour, who will come against us because we are looking to bring light in some of the darkest places. We're coming to break the cycles that the devil has so enjoyed for hundreds of years. And here's the other thing. I, I think of this time when, when Jesus came and, and he was angry. And he goes to the temple and, and he turns over the, the table of the money changers. And he's angry and, because this is his father's house. And, and, and he enters into the temple, Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. It says, Jesus entered the temple. He drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear these things that they are saying? And Jesus said, You have never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies. You have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out into the city of Bethany, and he lodged there. Beloved, don't, don't miss it. A lot of times we, we take this, this money changer idea and we look at our churches and, and we're selling books in the lobby and we're selling other things. We're like, oh, that's, that's what Jesus was, was changing. No, no, the deal is there were money changers who were doing evil business. They were selling pigeons, the lowest of birds in, in the father's house, and they were in the, the common court. So as commoners would come to the temple to seek God, they were distracting them from their ability to see God. And, and Jesus was, was coming into the temple to drive them out. And notice, as soon as he drives them out, who comes? The commoners, the blind, the lame, children, those who needed access to God, 
those who needed to see a revelation of God, those who needed to see the heartbeat of God instantly come in. As soon as the righteous anger of Christ Jesus drives out those who would trap them, drives out those who would stop them, drives out those who would neglect them from coming to see the glory of God and to worship God. And so, beloved, in a lot of same ways, we need to have this righteous anger for systems of abuse and neglect, for systems of power, for systems that are trapping children from seeing the grace of God, the goodness of God, the protection of God, and the love of God. Our hearts should be that the vulnerable, vulnerable children, vulnerable families would come to a place where they would also say, like the children cried out in Matthew chapter 21, Hosanna to the son of David. Praise be Jesus the Christ. Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. And so, beloved, as we think about angry, being anger, angry, as we think about kingdom anger, as we think about righteous anger, Let us be a people that want to see every child, every nursing babe, every infant have the opportunity to come to a place where they hear of the matchless grace of Christ Jesus and they're able to praise him. Our anger should spur us on to good deeds. Our anger should spur us on to righteousness. Our anger should spur us on to the high calling for which Christ Jesus has called us to, to make disciples of his name, to care for orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Don't forget what James says in James chapter one. Even when he says that, he talks about anger. He says in verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't say anger does not produce the righteousness of God, but the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is not us being angry about how we were hurt. This is us being angry about how the glory of God is being trampled. But notice the anger, angry of the angerness of a kingdom, the the angerness of God does not lead to destruction. It leads to life. That's why verse 21, James says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And then he says, be not be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And beloved, I'm afraid many times we hear of things and we hear the commands and we know we need to do something. But we become hearers only and not doers. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and preserves, not being a hearer, but forgets, not being a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but does Receives his heart. This person's religious is worthless. No religion is pure and undefiled before the Lord. Righteous, godly anger produces this. Produces a person that visits orphans and widows in their afflictions. And holds fast, keeping oneself unstained 
from the world. Oh, beloved, may we seek the wisdom of God. Love what James says on in James 3, which I think will give us even a clearer picture about a righteous anger which spurs us to, to godly action. James goes on in, in chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Who's wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have, and this is worldly anger, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly and spiritual and demonic. Anger that is based in, verse 16, jealousy and selfish ambition will bring disorder and every vile practice. And beloved, if we're truthful, that's the anger we have when something doesn't go our way. That's the anger that we have when we're caught in our sin. That's our anger that we have when life doesn't go the way we want it to go. It's selfish. It's jealous. And it brings disorder and every vile practice. But James says, verse 13, the wisdom of God, or think of it this way, the anger, the righteous anger of God is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Beloved, think for a minute about World War II. Hitler had come into Germany and he brought a Nazi regime. Peace could not come until Hitler was removed. Righteous anger for the, for the German people, righteous anger to defend the Jewish people, righteous anger to defend those who were non-Aryan. As a matter of fact, Hitler even would take Germans who were handicapped, who were hurt, were sick, and he would put them in the concentration camps. He was looking for a perfect Aryan race. Righteous anger caused nations to rise up against Hitler, to remove him. Sometimes there cannot be peace until we have addressed with a righteous anger the root of that lack of peace. The root, of, the root for these children is sin. The root for these children is that sin of neglect, that sin of abuse, poverty, systems of injustice. Beloved Christ follower, may we not turn a blind eye to children who are being hurt, to families that are being wrecked, to a system which is destroying the fabric that God set up for human flourishing, the family. May we not sit by passively and see abortion laws that truly are infanticide from the very beginning. Life begins at conception, and any destruction of that death is the same as infanticide. Let us be drawn to a righteous anger, which produces in us a peaceable, gentle, merciful, impartial, and sincere action. An action that sows peace, that sows righteousness, and that sows reconciliation. 
and that sows an opportunity for children made in the image of God, for families made in the image of God to see the glorious grace and the gospel of Christ Jesus. And so, beloved, as Paul David Tripp said in his blog, and as I'm telling you today on this podcast, let's be angry, but not sin. Let's be spurred on to action because we are angry that sin has so trampled upon children to the point that they are orphaned and vulnerable and in need of a home. And let that action spur us on to think creatively and to think biblically for solutions about how we can care for them and point them to the matchless grace of God. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.